Aren't you glad you're at church this morning? There was a young gal whose mommy and daddy didn't attend church, but she found a church down the street, and she'd get up every Sunday morning, she'd walk to church, and they invited her to Sunday school, so she'd get up and she'd get dressed the best she could and, and, and put her Sunday best on, and she'd walk through the neighborhood, and she'd get to church, and just absolutely loved it. Well, one, one uh, Sunday morning, she woke up to realize that she had got up late. She's a little flustered. She gets up. She said, Mom, Mom, why didn't you wake me up? She said, Oh, honey, we were up late last night watching TV, and I just figured you needed to sleep in. She goes, No, i got to get to church. So she went in there, and she threw on her Sunday best, and, and, she's, and she gets out, and she's walking down the sidewalk, and she's just going as fast as she can, and she's praying this prayer. Oh, dear Lord, help me not to be late. Oh, dear Lord, help me not to be late. Oh, dear Lord, help me not to be late. The fourth time she said that, she tripped and she fell. She skint her knee and put a little rip in her dress, and she got back up. She brushed herself off, and she started walking as fast as she could again. And she says, oh, Lord, help me not to be late. Oh, Lord, help me not to be late, but please don't push me again. Now, you might feel like you got shoved to church this morning. Maybe, maybe, maybe you got drugged to church this morning. You know, when I was a kid, I had a drug problem. I was drugged to church on Sunday morning. I was drugged to church on Sunday night. I was drugged to church on Wednesday. Come on, I was just... Thank God for that kind of drug problem. Come on, somebody. So you might be here because you felt like you were drugged. This kind of drug. <laughs> Some of you might feel it because the Holy Spirit is pushing you to be here this morning. You know what? I really don't care why you're here this morning. I'm just glad you are. This morning I get to do a little bit of teaching. I don't get to do teaching much anymore with the new position I'm in. I'm usually preaching and doing other things. But this morning I'm going to do a little bit of teaching. This morning I want to talk about the fruit of the Spirit. In Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22 and verse 23, if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23. If you have your smart device, go ahead and go with me there. And um, I want you to look this scripture up because here's what I want you to do. I want you to mark it and highlight it in your Bible. Galatians chapter 5, we're going to look at verse 22 and 23. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Notice what it says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, if, if those of you who've got your smart devices, you can, you can do me a favor. I want you to flip on over to the, either the King James or the New King James Version of the Bible. Because I, I like what it says there in verse 22. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit. That's where we get fruits of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against such things. There is no law. Father, I pray this morning as we come together in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. I pray, Lord, that uh, you would begin to illuminate our hearts and minds. Help us to see where we're at and where we need to be. Lord, I pray that we would come this morning with our hearts opened and ready to allow you to do an inspection of where we're at and take us where you desire for us to be. And everybody said, Amen. Amen, amen. How do we know that the fruit of the Spirit is in our life? First of all, let me, let me ask you a question. When you hear the word fruit of the Spirit, what does everybody think of? They think of apples and oranges and they think of all those beautiful things. I remember as a kid in Sunday school, we memorized the fruit of the Spirit. I did this at four years old in Sunday school, the basement of this church. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Because I memorized those nine fruits that, that they had in the shape of apples and oranges and bananas and pears, I got me a little star on my board. I memorized them a long time ago. But I want to tell you for a moment why they call it fruit. Somebody say fruit. Well, this morning I have some fruit here. My wife and I came together and we bore fruit. One of them's name is Hannah and the other one is Caleb. 
the fruit of our relationship, the offspring of us coming together in intimacy, produced two beautiful children. Thank God they look like their mother. One of them acts just like me. I'll let you pick which one. Henry. Just kidding. I can hear him cringing from here. The offspring of the Holy Spirit in your life should produce something. Somebody say amen. amen. The offspring of the Holy Spirit in your life should produce something. My question is, is what is being produced? How do you know if the fruit of the Spirit is developing in your life? It's an important question to ask because if we don't ask the question. If we don't ever do an introspection, how many of you have a job and, and once or twice a year they will, they will look at your, your job and they'll do what they call a review and, and they will f- figure out, hey, hey, this is where you're good and maybe this is where you need to strengthen. Come on, how many have that done? Well, this morning, I want to take an, an inventory or, or an assessment, if you will, and I want you to do it to yourself. But I'm also asking for you to allow someone else to do it for you. Because I, I don't know about you, oftentimes we blame the devil for everything. Come on, you've heard me say that before. I mean, come on. I had a lady in my church for years, every Sunday morning, the devil this, the devil that, devil after me, devil, devil, devil. Every day I heard about the devil. One Sunday morning I had it up to here for her blaming the devil for everything. Here's what I told her. I said, man, you must be the most important person in the kingdom of God. And she looked at me, she says, well, why would you say that? I said, because there's one devil and he's spending all his time at your house. (laughs) Oftentimes we want to blame the devil for all of these things in our life. I don't know about you, but some of us need a checkup from the head up. We need to look in the bathroom mirror and see what's staring back at us because the biggest obstacle for us being where God wants us to be is staring back at us in the mirror. Come on. And it's real easy for us to deceive ourselves thinking everything's okay, everything, because we are great at justifying our behaviors. Come on, somebody. So you want, I want to ask you to get brave this week, and I want to ask you to do me a favor. I, I, want, I want you to take the fruit evaluation. For those of you popping notes down on that paper, that's your first blink. The, I, I want you to take... The fruit evaluation. And this is what I want you to do. I want you to look at those nine things. Love, joy, peaceful, patient, kindness, good, favor, and gentle, self-control. Now, if we would grade ourselves, most of the time we'd be honest with ourselves, but sometimes it's real easy for us to overlook. Because how many of us we don't know what we don't know? Are you hearing me? That'll make sense to you tomorrow. You don't know what you don't know. Sometimes we go through life with blinders on and we just don't realize where our weak or blind spots are. So what I want you to do is I want you to give a piece of paper to somebody that is willing to be honest with you. Now, usually that's your husband or wife. Come on, let's just be, dude, you just, you just stink at this one. Huh? I want you to give it to somebody this week. Honestly, I'm asking you, this is your homework. Give a piece of paper with those nine gifts listed and ask that person, I want you to do me a favor. I want you to evaluate the totality of my life. In other words, not just in public, but also in private. I want you to evaluate where I stand on all of these issues. Because how many knows that there are times in our life when we can be very loving? He's super loving when he wants something, isn't he? But as you told me earlier today, he's not very loving. (laughs) Just kidding, just kidding. It's easy to be patient when everything's going good. Listen to me. The fruit of patience doesn't really show itself until we're going through something hard and difficult and arduous. Come on, somebody. So give this evaluation to somebody and say, hey, do me a favor. I want you to take a look at this and just kind of just... Let me know where I stand. Be honest. Be honest. Because I really want to know how I'm doing in these areas. Because listen, if the Holy Spirit is living inside of you, the offspring of that intimate relationship with God should produce some things. Are you hearing me? Now I want you to say, that's good preaching, Pastor Josh. 
Thank you. Number two, Roman numeral number two, is the personal reaction test. This is a biggie. <laughs> Somebody say personal reaction. Man, I'll tell you, whoever brought this water, bless them in Jesus' name. I know who did it. Where's she at? There she is. She took over for another dear lady who did it for like 110 years. Oh, hallelujah. The personal reaction test, you know, it's, it's easy to react properly when everything in life is going great. But I don't know about you, but not everything in my life goes great all the time. Now, I know you can look at me and you think, oh, he's just got it all together. That's one of the reasons why I brought my wife and kids, so you can ask them. I don't have it all together. They'll be the first to tell you. Listen, when, when, when the screws get put to you, Come on, how many of you had a problem this week? Raise your hand. If you had more than one, raise the other. When you have difficulties, when you have problems, when you've got situations, when you've got circumstances that are beyond your control, guess what? That's what reveals who you really are. Every single one of you can put on a good show. You might have wore your Sunday best this morning. But folks, let me tell you, when God looks at you, He sees you through the shirt and tie. He sees you down to the core of who you are. Come on, somebody. And here's what I found, is, is fire reveals what we really are. In the olden days, when they wanted to purify gold, they put it to fire. And what would happen is they would, they would fire that gold up, and, and they would get it as hot as they could, and the gold would begin to melt. Now, the great thing about the melting gold is because when gold is, is one of the heaviest elements, and as it began to heat up, it would sink to the bottom of the cauldron, and then all the impurities would start surfacing to the top. And, the, and the, the individual who was purifying the gold would scoop off the impurities and he would keep doing it. Now, back in the olden days, they didn't have computers. They didn't have all the technology we had. So here's how he knew that gold was pure. He knew it was pure because after he began to scoop off all these impurities and he'd let it cook a little longer, then he'd scoop off more impurities. He'd let it cook a little more. He'd scoop off more impurities. When he could look into that cauldron and he could see himself like looking in a mirror, he knew that gold was becoming pure. Folks, let me tell you something. When fire is put to our lives, it determines where we stand when it comes to the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. But another great thing about difficulty is it allows the junk to surface. Come on, somebody. It allows the junk in our lives to surface. When we're going through difficulties and hardship, who we truly are down deep on the inside starts coming up to the top. Now, don't get depressed or discouraged this morning. Let the Holy Spirit begin to scoop that hurt and that pain and that unforgiveness and that bitterness and that anger and all those things away. Folks, let me tell you something. The way the, way the Holy Spirit knows that all the impurities are gone is because He can look down in and see the reflection of Himself. Are you hearing me? We as the people of God have got to allow the Holy Spirit to do a work in our lives. The Apostle Paul, if there's anybody who had a right to be upset, it would be him. He was born in the right family. He had the right education. He had the right name. He had the right letters after his name. He was going places. Do you know that the desire of every Hebrew child was to become a rabbi? That was the dream of every Hebrew child and every Hebrew mother or father is for their child to become a rabbi. At five years old, they would bring their children into the, to the temple. And listen, the children at five years old, this is, this is a fact, Jack. At five years old, they had to memorize the Torah, which is the first five books of the Old, old Testament, in order without making a mistake. In this day and age, we think our, our kids can't even memorize their own telephone number. We can't be too hard on them. By God, they're a kid. Hebrew children at five years old, if they made more than one mistake, they were the, 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 the priest would say, well, that's a great job, Johnny, but go back and follow in the footsteps of your father. If they made it through that first test, then they had another test from the five to twelve 
they were being mentored by these great disciples, these rabbis who went before them. And these rabbis would mentor them. And at the age of 12, it wasn't what they knew that got them past the next level. It was by the questions they were able to ask. Because asking the right question is even a lot, it takes a lot more detail-oriented things than just knowing what to say and when to say. Because how many knows you can memorize anything? Don't you think it's interesting? We hear about Jesus when he was born. We hear about Jesus when he was two. But we don't hear anything else about Jesus until he was 12. Isn't it ironic that it's the same age that they would go before the priests? And, and, and when, when Jesus was with the priests, remember his mom and dad were looking for him, right? You guys remember the story? They were looking for him. They couldn't find him. And they went and found him at the temple. And they said, what are you doing, bro? Can you imagine being Jesus' mother? Come on. You know he's the son of God. Do I ground him or do I not? Jesus, what are you doing? He says, don't you know I'm about my father's business? And the Bible says that the, that, that, that the priests and the rabbis were amazed at the questions he was asking. If they were able to ask the right questions, they would say, okay, now you can move on. And then the next level is from 12 to 30 years old. And at 30 years old, they would come in and they would be interviewed by the, the former scribes and Pharisees, those, those, those teachers of the law that went before them. And at age 30, they were either, either declared a rabbi, which means teacher, with shmaker, without shmaker, which means with authority, without. If they, if they graduated without authority, that just means the only thing they could do for the rest of their life is teach what they've been taught by, their, by the rabbi that took them under the wing. But if they were released with authority, they could go then, therefore, and search the Scriptures and teach those things which were beyond what they taught. In other words, they could receive revelation from God and give it out. Come on, somebody. Now, don't you think it's funny that Jesus Christ, one of the things that was said about Him most often is, is wow, He was like... A teacher with authority unlike they'd ever saw. Now I said all this, say this, the Apostle Paul. This guy was a rabbi who had the right, every, he, had, he had went through every single thing. He, ta- he was taught under Gamaliel who was the greatest, they believe, in the history of the rabbis. He had everything going for him. And God said, I want you to stop what you've been working for for over 30 years of your life. And I'm calling you to go preach the gospel. Now I know it's real easy for us to say, well, that would be a privilege to preach the gospel. And it would be. Amen? But he went from a life of luxury (laughs) to a life of hardship, difficulty. I mean, he was shipwrecked on multiple occasions, stoned to death several times, thrown in prison, beat beyond recognition. I mean, all this stuff happened. And guess what? He didn't complain. He said, I count it all joy. I count it all joy. Folks, let me tell you something. It's when you're going through the difficulties of life that who you really are begins to come to the surface. And let me tell you something. If it's bitterness, anger, hatred, if it's all these things, don't get upset. Just allow the Holy Spirit to scoop it off. Because what He's doing, He's allowing the heat to be applied because He wants to be able to see His reflection when He looks at your life. Come on, somebody. Now That's a, that's a tall order, isn't it? For someone to look at you and what they see reflecting back at them is Jesus Himself. Do you know the word Christian was not started out as a popular term? It wasn't started out as a term of endearment. In the, in the church of Antioch, the people started calling them Christians because it meant you are a follower of Christ. And they meant it in a derogatory way. And guess what? Those guys took it as a badge of honor. You're right! I am a follower of Christ! Listen, that's what God has called us to do. He's called us to live a life in such a way that when people look at us, they begin to see Jesus in us. Come on now. Now I know, I know right now that if you look in a mirror and you're honest with yourself, you're not gonna, you might see glimpses of Jesus, but you're not, you might not see him purely. Come on, somebody say amen. I, I'm, you know, when I'm not pointing a finger because I got nine, ten of them coming back at me. How many do I got? 
We have to understand something, folks, that the hardships of life begins to show us who we truly are. Some people think that the fruit of the Spirit is, is something that we possess, and it's not something we possess. It's, it's, it, it's literally, it's not what we possess, it's what we allow to live through us. Come on, somebody. A believer should show the fruit of the Spirit even in the most difficult of situations and circumstances. So, yeah. Let somebody, give that paper to somebody and say, hey, you know what, do me a favor. Matter of fact, uh, your wife is watching by live stream. I give you a job. This afternoon. Now, we know he's all smiles and bubbly and bouncing around like, like Tigger on Winter the Pooh. But we need you to be honest with your man. Grade him on those nine things. And then send it to me. No, just kidding. You don't got to send it to me. You got to send it to me. So yes, let other people take an assessment and an inventory of where we stand. Secondly, begin to think about the, how you react in situations. Now, you're the only one who knows how you truly react. Because we're all, we, we are all great actors. How many of you have ever done this? Well, hi, sissy. How you doing? Yeah. And inside you're thinking... We've all can put on a fake face. Come on, somebody. Somebody say fake face. Have you ever walked into somebody's house and they have a bowl of beautiful fruit sitting there and you think to yourself, man, that just looks good. And you reach down to grab one and you realize it isn't real. Whoever invented fake fruit is going to hell. That's not even right. Fruit is one of my favorite things to eat. Man, more than one time in my life, I've grabbed a piece and started to bite and almost lost a tooth. It looks pretty, but it has no substance. Come on, somebody. We've all got so good at putting on our little bowl of freak fruit. Come on now, you know what I'm talking about. You came to church last Sunday and everybody said, How you doing? Oh, everything's great. And you know it wasn't great. You displayed a bowl of fake fruit. If you can't be honest in the house of God, where can you be honest? If you can't be honest with brothers and sisters in Christ, where can you be honest? Come on, somebody. We've got to be willing to come in and say, hey, you know what? Things aren't going really good right now. Because of this or because of that, will you pray for me? Stand with me. Come on. We, as the people of God, have got to look at our lives when the going gets tough, when it's difficult, when it's arduous. It's real easy to say we have the greatest kids in the world while they're obeying us. But how do we feel when they're not? Yes, let people take an assessment of us. But you've also got to assess yourself in a personal reaction way. Which means, how do I react when things are going tough? See, it's real easy for you to take that paper and say, Oh man, you know what? At, 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 today at church, I was so loving. Brother Smith walked up to me and I smiled at him. Give me a star. Hallelujah. But then you get home and our dear sister's just chewing Brother Smith out. Does she do that at home? Oh, he said amen. Father, help him. He needs all the help he can get this week, Jesus. Lord Jesus, give him wisdom. You can't say that about your wife, man. Even if it is true. It's easy for us to say, I'm loving when things are going. But what I need you to do is ask yourself, hey, what nobody else sees and what nobody else knows, what I'm thinking in the recesses of my heart and mind, how do I, how do I really respond to these difficult situations of my life? I don't know about you, but I have met a few amazing people in my life that no matter how hard it gets, no matter how difficult it is, they seem to produce something that I just don't have. I remember as a pastor, we had a young man in his, in his early 30s who came up for healing. And he had had, uh, he had, had a, a mole on the back of his neck. And his mom it was worried about it several times. She took him to the family doctor multiple occasions, multiple times, multiple times. He kept saying, oh, it's fine, it's fine, fine, it's just a mole, just a mole. 
One day he was, he was uh, this was right before he uh, moved out of his home. He had already graduated. He was going to school and, and he was getting close to graduating. And he was sitting there doing some dishes, you know, as a good son would do. And the mom looked back and that mole was bleeding. She said, honey, I, I, I am going to take you to a dermatologist. He said, mom, I've been to the doctor many, many times. Everything's fine. She says, no, that has worried me for years. I am taking you to a dermatologist just for my own peace of mind. All right, mom, whatever you want. She made an appointment, and you know it's hard to get into a dermatologist, so it took like a month, month and a half to get there. But when she got there, she walked her son in. The first thing the dermatologist did when he came in, it's what seems to be the problem. She told him he looked at it, and immediately... It's like the, 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 the fluid in his face began to drain out. And he said, hey, I need to take a biopsy of that right now. He took a biopsy and he came back in. He said, I need you to go straight to the hospital. Do not go home. Go straight to the hospital. That's stage four melanoma cancer. And we have got to do something about that. And they went in and they did this. And he's, he's in his early 30s. He ended up going through treatments and things seemed to be going okay and, and he ended up getting married and they had a few children and, 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 and you know, things seemed to be going good. He got out of nursing school. He got a job at the hospital and, and, you know, they bought their own home. They both had good cars. I mean, everything seemed to be going good. But all of a sudden that, that melanoma cancer came back with a vengeance and this young man went to treatments every single day for weeks and weeks and weeks. He spent about four and a half months in the hospital. Hospital. He was a member of my church, and once or twice a week I would go to the hospital and visit with him. And I would walk into his hospital room, and he would be in there just, just absolutely throwing up, sick as can be, just absolutely looked miserable. And I'd walk in, and my heart would be broken, be sunk. And man, it's, it's, I don't know about you, but going to hospitals can be depressing. I was just like, man, I'd walk in, I'm like, oh my God, please do something, Jesus. And I'll never forget one day going in, he is just sick. I mean, he looked green, he was so sick. He gets done and he wipes his mouth. He goes, sorry about that, Pastor. How are you doing today? And I walked out of that hospital. This guy encouraged me when it didn't look like he had very much life left. His wife got pregnant while he was in the hospital. It wasn't Immaculate Conception. She conceived before he went in the hospital. When that baby was just still a baby, wasn't even a year old, Shane went home to be with Jesus. And I can tell you, I have never met a somebody who has went through some of the most difficult seasons of life and did it with a smile on their face and had the true joy of the Lord, the joy of the Lord that goes beyond the circumstances, the joy of the Lord that goes beyond what's happening at the moment. Come on, somebody. That's what joy is all about. Come on, somebody. Yes, I want you to have somebody grade to see how you're doing, but you have also got to take a personal reaction because only you know deep inside. You can put on a good face, and you can put on a good front, and you can put out your little bowl of fake fruit, but I want to know what's really under the hood. What do you really feel like and look like? What are you really thinking when you're going through those arduous situations of life? Thirdly is what I call the lip quiz. Somebody say that, someone said once that your eyes are a window to your soul. And that, and, that, and that could be true. But I, I truly believe that your mouth reveals your heart. I remember working in a nursing home for a lady who was a good Christian woman. Loves the Lord Jesus. I have her permission to share this story, so don't, don't think I'm pointing her out here. Good Christian woman. Me and her led a lot of people to Jesus. It's real easy to lead somebody to Jesus in a nursing home. Come on. They're one step away. <laughs> yeah. And, and, they, and they're in a wheelchair. They can't get away from you. Nowhere to run. You preach Jesus and they can't get up and walk out. Come on, somebody. So we're leading people to Jesus left and right. And this is, this is a great, great, great woman. And, and I'm, I'm training. I'm 18, 19 years old training to be a pastor. And, and so, she, you know, we're just working together and we're having a great time. And one day she, something happened. The pressure cooker was turned on. The difficulty level rose. And, and all of a sudden she sprung out and she said something. 
that you wouldn't normally hear her say. She said one of those curse words. And the first thing she did when she said it, her eyes got big. Here's what she said. She goes, I don't know where that came from. And without thinking, how many people say things without thinking? I think I was born that way. How many of you ever watched Seinfeld? I'm like Kramer. I say what everybody else is thinking, but nobody's brave enough to say it. She goes, I don't know where that came from. I said, I do. It came from your heart. Wherever that is, there's more in there. It's my boss. Man, she got angry, turned around, stomped off, and I thought, why did I say that? My review's next week. This ain't good. She came up to me later and she says, you know, I thought about what you said yesterday. And I believe you're right. I took a good long look at my life in the mirror this morning. And I think there's still more of that old self down in there that I want to see crucified. Come on. You know what the Apostle Paul said? Now this guy, not only did he seem to have it all together, but the guy had the fruit of the Spirit in the most difficult of situations. And yet, here's what he said about himself. He said, I crucify my flesh daily. Why? Because he says, I don't want to preach to you and then look in the mirror and find out I've disqualified myself. Are you hearing me? If the Apostle Paul has got to crucify his flesh daily, how many of us probably need to do it two or three times a day? You know what's, you know what's interesting, Brother Jimmy? I, you don't have any kids, do you? You do? Oh, sweet Jesus, I didn't know that. Let me ask you a question. When your kids were little, did you have a little, you know, you, you probably taught them how to tie their shoes, and you probably taught them how to do this, you taught them, but did you ever have to sit down and teach them how to lie? Did you ever have to teach your kids how to pick on one another? Did you ever have to teach? No. Why? Because the nature of who we are comes out automatically, right? you got to teach your kids to tell the truth. you got to teach your kids to do right. you got to teach your kids to do... Come on. You don't have to teach... Why? Because we all are born into sin. Come on. We all have a sinful nature, and that sinful nature is down deep. In, and just because you gave your heart to Jesus... And you nailed that flesh of yours on the cross, that doesn't mean that that sucker doesn't try to dethrone himself from the cross every once in a while. Come on, somebody. I don't know about you, but man, I've got to, every once in a while, I've got to get up there and nail him back up there because he's got to stay. That old flesh is easy to come back. And our mouth is a window into our life to tell us where we're truly at. What does your lips say when you get angry? The Bible says in Matthew 12, 34, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Can you say amen? Number four, developing a fruit-filled life. Let's talk about developing a fruit-filled life. Here's what I found. I have found that many have a major confusions regarding the development of fruit in their lives. See, some people think that if I agree with all the doctrinal statements of the church... I've got it all together. If I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, if I believe that He was born of a virgin, if I believe that He was rose again, if I believe that the Bible is the Word of God, let me tell you something. You can agree and check every box on every doctrinal statement and you can still be not a nice person. I was going to say something, but I... I felt like suppressing Kramer. I know professing believers that could check every box, but they're still self-centered, egotistical, angry, bitter, violent-tempered, discourteous, and you can just go on down the list. I'll never forget being at that same nursing home, and here I'm doing my best to try to be a witness, trying to be the light of Christ in a dark place. And I'll never forget this guy. I mean, this dude had a foul mouth. He had a foul attitude. I mean, he would, he would, he would put on a bowl of fake fruit in front of the bosses, but in front of everybody, he was just terrible. And I'll never forget being in the, in the break room. We're all eating lunch, and, and somebody was talking about something they were going through, and all of a sudden this guy's talking, and they looked at him, and he said these words, and I cringed. He said, I'm a born-again believer. And in my head, I'm thinking, what, the devil? 
He didn't have any fruit. He was a fruit loop. Walking into a garage doesn't make you a car. Walking into the church doesn't make you a Christian. I don't care what membership card you carry. What makes you a follower of Christ is when Christ is flowing through you. Come on, somebody. This guy had zero semblance of who Christ is. Now, I'm not trying to be judgmental. I'm being honest. I'm trying to be a light in a dark place. And this guy is making it really hard. Because now he's saying, hey, I'm a Christian just like him. And in my heart, I'm like, I ain't nothing like him. (laughs) How many knows if Christ is truly inside? then who He is has to come out some way, somehow, somewhere. The Bible says in Matthew 7, every tree that does not bear good fruits cut down and thrown in the fire, thus by their fruit you will recognize them. There was a young man who continually got in trouble. He was getting grounded left and right. His dad would ground him to his room. And what he would do is he'd go up to his room and act like he was, you know, he'd play his music and do his things, but then he would open his second-story window and he would climb down the old fruit tree. And he'd go do his thing. And I'm not talking about me. I didn't have a fruit tree. I just jumped out two stories. You do that once or twice, you don't do it again. But this guy climbed down the fruit tree. He'd go do things with his kids, and he would make sure he'd sneak back, climb back up the fruit tree, and they'd come to get him for dinner. And he'd say, yeah, Dad, I'm just being here, being a good boy. One day at the dinner table, he overheard his mother and father talking, and his father said, hey, honey, I think I'm going to cut down that old fruit tree in the backyard. She said, why would you do that? She said, he said, honey, we planted that fruit tree, and the first year it had fruit, but it hadn't had fruit in years. Ain't no use having a fruit tree with no fruit. I'm going to cut that thing down. That young man's like, what am I going to do the next time I get grounded? He's going to cut my fruit tree down. That's my only escape. So he was telling his buddy, and, and his buddy and him conspired, and they had an idea. So here's what they did. They went and they bought a bushel of apples. And one night he snuck out of his bedroom window, they crawled down, and they spent half the night tying apples to the fruit tree. The next day at dinner, his dad looked at his, 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 his woman, he said, honey, you're not going to believe it. That old fruit tree has got apples on it. She says, well, that's great. Now we don't need to cut it down. He goes, honey, that was a pear tree. It's a miracle. Pear trees don't bear apples. Apple trees don't bear oranges. Come on, somebody. Folks, let me tell you something. What determines the fruit is what's at the root. Come on, that's in your notes. Fruit comes out of root. When our lives are truly committed and sold out to God, they will bear the fruit of Christ because Christ is the root. It's what the root is that determines the fruit that's going to be born. And let me tell you something. If the root doesn't produce the nourishments, there will never be no fruit. It's not a problem with the tree when they're not bearing fruit. It's a problem with the root. There's some kind of disconnect. Believers are fascinated with the gifts of the Spirit. Just like there's nine fruit of the Spirit, there's nine gifts. Words of wisdom, knowledge, discernment, tongues, prophecy, interpretation of tongues, faith, healings, miracles. These are all great things. You know, one of the... One of the how many of you have ever read a statement in the Bible you just didn't understand it? You're just like, really? Let me tell you the one that for years perplexed me. And that was this one. When Jesus looked at his disciples and said, it's to your benefit that I leave this earth. I couldn't understand that. Can you imagine hanging out with Jesus? I mean, come on. Yesterday he spit in the dude's eyeball, made a mud pie, and all of a sudden a blind man can see. 
two weeks ago, a funeral procession comes by. We're all crying. And he goes over and says, why do you weep? And he rose up again. A month ago, we passed up a, a bunch of lepers. And Jesus said, be clean. And their leprosy fell off. I don't know about you. That'd be cool to hang around with Jesus, wouldn't it? Come on. I mean, after the Bible says in, in the first five books of the, of the New Testament, if you read through there, there's a, there's a scripture that says that there is not enough books to contain all the miracles that happened in Jesus' life. Do you really? It, it, when they take the, the Gospels and they actually formulate it and put it out and, and, and map it out, it's really only about three months of Jesus' life. He had three and a half years of ministry. We only get three, three and a half months of that ministry. And that three, three and a half months was packed full of some stuff. Can you imagine three and a half years? Every day you're like, dude, what's going to happen today? Yesterday we stole a boy's lunch and fed an army. But yet Jesus said, it's to your benefit that I leave. How could that be a benefit? Hanging out with Jesus is cool. There's some kind of fascination. And let me tell you, it's getting greater and greater in our day. There's a fascination with the supernatural. Have you ever, do you remember when, I think her name was Chloe or something like that. She'd come on TV late at night. Call me, Chloe. You need the, you need the, the numbers of the, of the lotto? Call Chloe. Even as a kid, I thought to myself, well, you're stupid. Why wouldn't you play the numbers yourself? That lady became a multi... The reason she's not on TV anymore is because she's a multimillionaire. She's laughing to the bank. But yet people called to talk to Chloe because Chloe would say dumb stuff and we would say, oh, She knows I'm calling from Ohio. She has caller ID, ding dong. But there's a fascination with the supernatural, isn't there? Now, I don't know about you. Jesus said, not only is it to your benefit that I leave, but greater works will you do because I'm going to the Father. Now, that's another statement that baffled me because I'm yet to see someone that walked like Jesus. Now, there's people who've come close. Smith Wigglesworth, over 33 people raised from the dead in his lifetime. His wife being one of them. He was away on, doing a revival and, and he got word through a telegram that his wife had died. He left the meeting, got on a train. It took three days to get back. And when he got there, he walked in. He said, I want to see my wife. And she was in the morgue. And they took him to the morgue. They pulled back. He laid his hands on her. She raised up out of the morgue. The doctor about had a heart attack. There was a doctor and two nurses there, and they both, they all three testified under oath that this woman raised up, who'd been dead for three days, and said, Honey, it is awesome up here. They said their goodbyes, she laid back down, and he left with a smile on his face. I don't know about you, but I'd like to operate like that. Wouldn't that be cool? Wouldn't it be cool to go into a hospital and clear them out? Wouldn't it, wouldn't it be neat that those people are broken and battered and bruised and blind and beaten and all these things, that we could just come around and, and just our very presence brings healing to their life? The Bible says the disciples would walk by and cast a shadow on lepers and they would get up and start walking. We were never told that Jesus did it with a shadow. The apostle Paul realized there was only one of him, so he passed out hankies. You got somebody I can't do? Take him this hanky. And people were getting healed through a hanky. Now, come on, that's awesome stuff. Just come on. That's awesome. And we get fascinated because we would like to operate under that level. But here, listen to me, folks. You can't operate in the gifts if you first don't bear the fruit. And you can't bear the fruit if you don't have the right root. Because root produces fruit. And when we are operating in the offspring of the Holy Spirit, how do we know that the Holy Spirit is a resident? 
is because out of that relationship, there is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. That is a testimony that the Spirit of God lives in us. And if the Spirit of God lives in us, then we can operate in the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead. It dwells in me and He can quicken my mortal body. Come on, somebody. We get fascinated with the gifts, but we're not even operating in the fruit of God's Spirit. I'm here to tell you that you can never operate in a gift if you're not producing the fruit. Come on, somebody say good preaching. Without root, there's no fruit. Without fruit, you can't operate in the gifts. Fake fruit won't do it. Looks good, but has no substance. You can fool people. You can even fool the preacher. But you're not going to fool God. And if you really want to be honest with yourself, you're not fooling yourself either. If you want to operate, if you want to do greater works than that of Christ, then He needs to be in you. Come on, somebody. He needs to be in you. How can a a person, listen to this, how can a person become more like Christ? This is another one. We always say, we always hear people say the fruits of the Spirit, plural, fruits of the Spirit of the Spirit, plural. It's fruit of the Spirit. It's fruit and not fruits. Now you say, well, why is that important? Because it's real easy for me to look down that list and say, oh yeah, joy, give me some. Patience, and self-control, and peace, Give me some. Come on, you know what it's that's why it's not plurality, it's singular. Matter of fact, all of those nine things can be bore out with one word called love. If the love is truly in you, you're going to be joyful. If the love of God is truly in you, you're going to be more patient. If the love of God is truly in you, you're going to be more so come on, somebody. But understand this. Here's, a, here's another one. I'm just pet, I'm preaching on all my pet peeves this morning. I told my brother I'm not preaching this morning. I'm teaching, but I always do some preaching sometimes. And here's here's the thing. Listen to this. This is a letter from a mission. I read this. I read this story, and I thought to myself, I'm going to use that. I copied this about 10, 15 years ago. Listen to this. A missionary son writes this. I once tried to grow an orange tree. Mom and dad were serving as missionaries in the cold climates of China-Tibetan border. Great fruit of any kind was not available most of the time. I especially missed oranges. My favorite. One day, some oranges showed up. I don't know where they came from, but boy, they didn't last long either. I asked my mother how we could get oranges on a regular basis. This was her reply. She replied, oranges simply cannot be grown in our cold climate. Now, my six-year-old ingenuity went to work. Refusing to take that as the final answer, I found an old clay plot, filled it with dirt, placed an orange seed inside the dirt, and carefully set it by the four-burner coal stove in the kitchen where it could stay warm. Every day I looked for the first green shoot of an orange tree to burst through the soil. I knew it would only be a matter of months until my kitchen tree would provide me with fresh oranges. Sadly, nothing live ever came out of that pot. I finally had to admit defeat. I blamed the failure on the fact that I had forgotten to water the seed for days on end, and therefore the stove had dried it out. I wanted oranges, but there was no way you can get an orange tree to grow in parched dirt. Clay pot next to a coal-burning stove in the kitchen in northwest China. I had a perfectly good orange seed, but the environment I exposed it to rendered the seed unproductive. John chapter 15 verse 5 says, If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Folks, here's what we do. Too often times we think, we, we think that, man, if, if I just try harder, if I just try, let, let me tell you, you can try as hard as you want and you're not going to be able to produce the fruit because it's not you that produces it. It's the, that's why it's called not the fruit of Joshua. It's called the fruit of the Spirit. In other words, your life is connected to the root of Christ. And that life-giving nourishment of that connection starts flowing through you. And through you produces fruit. It's not your fruit. 
Fruit comes from root. Come on, somebody. There was a farmer one time who got frustrated with his chicken because his chicken was producing small little eggs. And for the longest time, he tried and tried and tried. He tried everything he could to get that chicken to produce bigger eggs, and he couldn't do it. So he came up with a plan. One day he told his wife, he says, Honey, I'm going to the zoo. I'll be back. She said, What are you doing? You'll see. I'm going to solve this problem once and for all. He comes walking in with a brown paper bag. And he wrenched in and he pulled something out and he had it behind his back. And he walked up to that, he walked up to that hen and he put his nose to her beak. He said, do you see this? And he whipped out an ostrich egg. He said, do you see this? Try harder! I don't care how hard that sucker tries. She ain't going to push out an ostrich egg. She's a chicken. Hello. So some of us, that's our cure for becoming more fruitful is we think we just got to try harder. If I try harder, I try harder. Love on, love off. Love on, love off. You can try, you can try, you can try, you can try, and you can try. You cannot develop something that is not of you. Come on! The only thing you can develop is what your nature is all about. The only thing you can try harder at is being angry. The only thing you can try harder at is being bitter. Why? Because that's your nature. That's who you are down on the... Listen, until we get to heaven, you've got an old flesh that is still alive and well. You gotta be like the Apostle Paul. I gotta crucify that thing every day. The Bible says in the book of John, chapter 15, that if we remain in Him and He in us, we will bear much fruit. Why? Because it's the root that produces the fruit. The tree only hangs it. Come on. The tree only, only swings it out there for everybody to see and, and have, uh, have people have easy access. It'd be hard to get the fruit from a root. Come on, somebody. You know, underground, it'd be, it'd be a little difficult. But you can pull it off of a branch. See, we're just the holder of the fruit. But the fruit is produced by the root. That means we have got to remain in Christ. Come on, stand to your feet with me this morning.